This is the Hunt, Fish, Conserve podcast hosted by Ethan Evans and Tyler Swenson. Today we're going to be going over what we think about the Vexlar and then the Garmin Live Scope. Um, mainly we're going to talk about the pros and cons for each of these devices and what they have to offer specifically in the hard water ice fishing season. So um, I guess the first thing is kind of lay out, you know, what the Vexlar versus the Live Scope is. I guess in my opinion, when I think about these two, it's almost kind of like you can say like Vexlar's, I think they kind of call it like a 2D image or. I guess you kind of, I would say so in a sense where I would say it's 2D in the sense that you can only see, I mean, literally you can only see what's below you. I guess they're both 2D, but Vexlar, what is it? A 20 degree cone that it shoots down. Yep. Yeah, 20 degree cone that shoots down where the live scope, you know, you have, depending on whether you can see one way or the other, you know, 100 foot one way, depending on where you have your pole turned. Yeah, I guess. And then, you know, they call the live scope kind of like a live sonar. I guess you could, that's what they usually call it. Um, as far as like, I'm just trying to think about like the best way to paint it for somebody's like the listener's heads. Because it is... I guess, like you said, it's kind of almost going from like a black and white TV, let's say for lack of better terms, to like a color TV. I mean, or like, you know, low resolution to a high resolution in the terms of yeah, like that, what more you're gaining from the sonar, I guess, in those kind of terms. I really like that comparison because obviously black and white, I mean, it gets it done, but it's not as good as watching a colored tv show i mean there's probably not that many people listening that have viewed black and white tv but certainly i mean it is a big step up where i think it shines in like shallow water where i mean they both have their different lakes different scenarios where they both shine yeah and you know i think both of these definitely aren't good tools to have in shallow water but once you get to that less than 10 feet you know, even the live scope image definitely, you know, it can't shoot out to like those hundred feet like people talk about. And I think this is one thing that was kind of a big misconception to me, at least when I did get into the live scope scene and got my first live scope, um, was the fact of like your kind of limitations in shallow water. You know, you still get more detail than you do see with a Vexlar, but you know, your cone, what you might be, be able to see is only, you know, 20, 30 foot each way just because of the depth of the water and how the sonar is shooting still. Right. So you get those limitations there. But yeah, like you said, a Vexlar, you know, it was both of our first devices um, to use. Yeah, and I would I would never go back. I mean, I remember fishing with my grandpa and literally all we have to fish with was a pole, a bobber, and some bait, you know, obviously a hook to for the bait to go on to, but you just put it in the water and wait for that bobber to go down. And I understand that's how a lot of people fish today still, but the point of it all is, I mean, from that switching over to a Vexlar, I thought, you know, gosh, this is the best thing in the world. You know, I'll never go back to just wetting a line and that's it ever again. Yeah. And I was the same. I remember when me and you, well, when I first started fishing with you and I would remember like, we'd like look down the hole and like, you're just trying to see like anything that you could see like a fish or anything. And it's like, unless, right. and you know, when you're looking down that hole, you can only see if that fish is like a couple inches away from your, your bait anyways. So you're not really gaining a lot of information there, but I mean, 
yeah, it's it's funny to look back when we didn't know any better and we just would like go fishing with like outer sonars or anything. And nowadays, like at least in my opinion, if my Vexlar live scope was dead, I think I'd have a tough time going ice fishing or if I didn't have one. Right. I mean, what I would compare it to is, you know, that first time ever fishing out of a boat, I thought, God, there's no way I'm ever going to fish, you know, from shore ever again if you guys have ever experienced that, but Vexlar is the same way. Like you said, Ethan, I don't, I'd find it pretty hard to get myself motivated to go out on the lake. If I didn't have my Vexlar, like it just got taken away from me or something. And I wasn't able to get another one. I have, we both have quite a bit of experience, you know, using Vexlars. I've used it in some deeper water when I've been up like Canada, like ice fishing for lake trout and stuff. And it, it did work in those situations, but I think in those situations, you get a bigger cone image, but at the same time, like you really can't tell just as great as detail as you do with that live scope. But yeah, like I would say you could still use a Vexlar in any situation you can use a live scope and vice versa. How I would describe the live scope. Have you ever played that game on Wii? Yeah, like Wii, it's like Wii Play or something. Yeah, Wii Play and you know, you're moving the remote to dodge all the small fish because that one huge fish is swimming around, you know, that has all the points on it. Yep. That's kind of, in my mind, that's kind of what live scopes like is, you know, you're watching all these. I mean, if you had all those fish down below you, I mean, you can basically see all of them, see the size, you know, maybe dodge the small ones, but where Vexlar, you just see a space. There's a weed in the column. You're going to tell it's a weed because it's just right there, but fish or not you don't know what's below you some people could say you know oh that takes the fun out of it and like we first thought maybe it's discouraging at times but i feel like fishing with like people when they're new to the vexlar they're always like oh that's a big mark and i'm like yeah but you just caught like a six inch bluegill or something you know it's like all the marks like you said do look the same on a vexlar at least from what at least from what i've seen and i've seen in videos but like you said yeah with a live scope you do get that more of an image to kind of see yeah i mean you know, and everybody's probably looking like, oh, why would you not just buy a live scope then? Well, you know, there's a definitely some differentiating factors here. How much a Vexlar weighs? What would you say? Maybe a couple pounds. Yeah, maybe a couple pounds. Yeah. I mean, the battery, you're using just like a 12 volt battery. First of all, like, God, I there's been times where like, I can't even remember the last time I charged my Vexlar and I've fished up <laughs> for like consecutive like weeks in a row. No, recently that's been an issue for me. It's like, you know, the weekend... I fish one weekend, then it passes, and then the whole week goes by. And then the next weekend comes, and I wake up Saturday morning. It's like, gosh, I kind of want to go fishing. But did I charge my Vexlar? I can't ever remember. I haven't charged that thing in like three weeks, and it's still running fine. Yep. And it's one of those things, like, I mean, even when my Vexlar has got down in a low battery, like the quality of the Vexlar or the image it's putting out or the sonar is putting out has never diminished where you do see like some of the other graphs that does kind of happen. But, you know, to the contrast of this, to the live scope, I think you're probably pushing 20 to 25 pounds for that whole rig. It's a very bulky rig. It takes up a lot of space in your sled. The whole Vexlar unit's very self-contained where the transducer, which is the part you put in the water, it's a very easy cord, wraps around real nice, drops, and it's got like a self-balancing mechanism, basically just how the weight of transducer is designed. Right. So you don't ever have to worry about it being flat. Where this live scope comes with like, because basically the live scope was designed for boat use. People started using it for ice fishing. So when people started using it for ice fishing, 
they took it off their boats and put it on all these custom rigs or whatever to make it. But you still had like 200 foot of cord because it was designed. For, you could mount the transducer on the back of your boat and then run that cord all the way up to your screen in the front or whatever. So you have all this extra cord. You don't have a self-contained system. So you need to like use another, basically like an aluminum pole to put it in the water. So it's kind of like a two-step thing that's annoying. The thing that surprised me the most was the cord itself. It's very unforgiving, it seems like, where Vexlar, it's just, you can move that thing anywhere and I'm not worried about it. It wraps up nice. and Yeah, and like that's kind of talks to the durability point. It's like, man, we kind of beat the crap out of our Vexlars. Oh, yeah. And I don't know how much like the Garmin LiveScope, because I haven't really tested it just because it's more of an expensive unit, but... I mean, it doesn't seem as durable, right? Because yeah, you have that digital screen, you have that kind of transducer cord that really wasn't designed to be flexed a bunch like it is now. And then you kind of have that, you know, transducer that I don't even know how much it's really supposed to be banging around. I've seen pictures online where guys like have the cord busted or whatever, just because like, you know, you're sitting there twisting the transducer around in the water and, you know, just over time that cord can like fray. You can go look through a lot of Vexlar forms and like ice fishing forms. And I've never heard anybody complain about a Vexlar durability. No, definitely not. I mean, throw it in the truck. Not literally. Maybe you could, but throw it in the truck. And I mean, it's super easy to use. You just dump it in the water, make sure your transducer is below the ice and turn it on. And that's about it. That's as easy as it gets. That kind of talks to the learning curve of it. It's like I could take we could take anybody out ice fishing and in a couple of minutes teach them this is how you use a Vexlar. And they'd be like, okay, cool. I can go ice fishing now. Right. So it's a pretty, pretty simple system. As far as a live scope goes and to get kind of more into detail about that, the way I've kind of thought about it too, as we kind of discussed this, is it's kind of mixing the Vexlar and a camera together in a certain way too. Underwater camera that you see people use. That's a good way to describe it. I just got a live scope this year because they were running a lot of sales on them just because the fact that Garmin's coming out with newer and newer technology, new transducers, new screens, whatever. I just went with the most basic model. But when I got that, first of all, it was expensive. And then I got the unit and it wasn't like a very clear instruction guide. I'm like, hey, put this here, put this here. I don't know if you remember, but I'm pretty sure our Vexers come like all assembled about, right? Maybe hook the battery up. I'm pretty sure it just comes, you just turn it on. Yeah, like I don't even think you need to do anything, basically. Like turnkey ready, I guess, if that's how you want to describe it. So coming out of the live scope, the screen itself, there's probably like four cords that come out of it, I think, if I remember right. So one that hooks up to the transducer, another one that hooks up to the black box, I call it, which is basically, I think, like kind of how the image gets processed into the screen. And there's another power one. And the power one also has to go to the transducer and the black box. So you literally just have all these cords running all over the place where the Vexlar, a lot of that's all integrated into itself. And I think the only cord you really see is the one that's going to the battery. So it's a very self-contained unit, the Vexlar, where like the live scope's definitely like a lot more cords all over the place. So that's definitely one downside. And like there wasn't very many, many tutorials online where people were like putting this stuff together. And granted, right, putting a square in a square hole. But like when you kind of start <laughs> yeah. pack, when you kind of start putting that stuff together, you're like a little a little nervous putting it together your first time. Like I tried to just make sure all these videos and like I didn't want to fry anything or give anything too much power. Definitely. I mean, you have this what, two thousand dollar unit. If you were to buy it just all put together, it'd probably be more than that, but 
yeah, let's just say $2,000 unit. You don't want to screw anything up. No. So like my last thing was like, yeah, like I was like looking at these cords and like basically there was like a cord that was like missing because I didn't get the ice fishing kind of specified unit. So I was like looking at these cords. I was like, God, should I just splice these two together? And I kind of went back and forth in myself and I was like, all right, screw it. I'm just going to get the right cord, do it right. Yeah. I mean, it's like one of those things like this is a big mess up you can have. And if you don't feel comfortable, like, you know, setting that stuff up, it is pretty discouraging, I guess. That's one thing I would say that's like, you know, it's not out of the box ready. Definitely. And I mean, the first time we went fishing with it, kind of a big learning curve where I felt like we totally didn't know. I mean, obviously you watch people fish with them and... All right, you see the fish and know what you're looking at because the guy's pointing it out like, oh, there's the trout coming, swimming up, you know. And we weren't sure. I mean, it sounds dumb, but we weren't sure if we were seeing anything. Like, is there supposed to be fish here? Are we messing something up? Very confused, felt very dumb when we were looking at it the first time out on the lake. Drawing it back to the Vexlar, I mean, there's literally a couple knobs. There's like two knobs, really, and there's only really one knob. You really mess. You really don't have to mess with your Vexlar throughout the day. You literally set it like once, and then you're good. Yeah. Once you kind of get the live scope dialed into the settings you like, but there is a lot of settings where like, okay, you know, you can kind of set it to get like that 90%, like good image or like good reading or good sonar. But to get that last 10%, you kind of have to like edit all these little settings and it kind of depends on the water you're on. So like that's kind of where that larger learning curve can come in and it can also get discouraging because you're like, I just kind of want to fish at some point. And it's like, before you know it, you're like basically playing a video game where you're trying to figure out the right settings to get this thing to work. And it feels like sometimes you can be troubleshooting more than you're fishing. So I think that's kind of like that learning curve that sucks. But I think... It definitely shortens it. There's a lot of good videos out there that guys or people are putting out that definitely helped me a lot. But yeah, it's definitely one of those things where like if you're not the most tech savvy or if you just want to fish, it can be discouraging. Comparing apples to apples, I found it very fun to kind of partner fish, whether that is with your buddy or with your significant other, where I thought it was pretty awesome. You know, you'd see the ball of crappies and you'd be like, oh, they're 80 feet that way. And then I go 80 feet, drill a hole. You see the auger go through the ice and then start fishing them. And you can tell me, ah, they're not there anymore. Or, oh, you just need to come back a little bit. I thought very useful, very good way of finding fish. And then again, you know, also I thought could be discouraging at times because you stick the live scope down in the water and then you scan around nothing. And then it's like, all right, what's the point of even fishing at this you know, at this moment. Yeah. And that's one thing where like, you know, going back to when we both had used Vexlars, it was one of those things where we would, we'd probably fish that area for a long time where there were no fish and I'd still have a good time doing it, but you know, use that live scope now. And it's just like, sometimes like, I feel like we're drilling more holes than we are fishing, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Cause I mean, we are out there to catch fish, but it is also discouraging. Like, you know, I scan a hundred feet, hundred feet, don't see anything. We walk, you know, another, I don't know, a couple hundred yards or whatever. And we scan again, set it down, you know, and it just seems like, you know, sometimes you're doing that, which is, I understand like you're supposed to be out there fishing, but it, like you said, it can be very discouraging at the same time. So now that you have a live scope, Ethan, would you sell your Vexlar, keep it for certain situations or 
or you just kind of moved on? It's it's tough, right? I look at it like it's here sitting by me and I look at it like multiple times. I'm like, you know, there's 300 bucks sitting there that I don't use enough, but it's also 300 bucks. Like, I mean, I don't owe anybody that. So it's like, should I keep it? Should I not? So I think when I moved to Montana, you know, the past month, I have brought my Vexlar out yet. It's literally just been, you know, using a live scope. And that kind of goes back to your point too, where I fish with my uh, fiance a lot. And you kind of talk about that Vexlar price. I guess I don't know what like an FL18 goes for, or if you get in like the FL30s. I mean, you're really not that much shy if you buy two of those than buying a live scope anymore. Just because like you said, I mean, we looked at those before. and I mean, like we couldn't believe how much they were for really what you're getting out of it. I mean, I love my FL18, but once you get into the FL30 and it's 700 bucks and then, you know, you got two of them and it's like, wow, I could have just bought a live scope and me and her could have fetched right by each other and had a lot more fun. And I was going to say, maybe I don't know enough about it, but it seems like you're not really gaining that much stepping up to that FL30, FL28, I believe it is, um, from like our FL 18. I don't feel like you're gaining much in the system itself where you'd have this super advantage upgrading to something like that. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's super fun. Like, you know, like chase, like my little brother taking him out in the water and like you kind of, I think it's a great way to get kids involved. If you can find fish and be like, Hey, look at this, you know, like it's really easy. I guess to people in like, even my fiance, like keeping people engaged. It's a great tool that way. I also say like, you kind of talked about like the, the team fishing, you know, bringing, cause I feel like when we used to fish, it was like, Hey, you know, we think the fish are going to be in this basin. Let's just me and you'll drill a bunch of holes fish for a while. Now there's a certain team aspect where like I'll man the live scope. Then, you know, send you over there with your, your Vexlar and go catch those fish, which is like by far the most effective way. If you can swing having both of these units, you can, you could really tackle a lot of fish if you're willing to be mobile and you know kind of how to use both sonars. I think it's a very dangerous, it's a very effective way to go through a whole basin of fish. So I saw someone, when I was out ice fishing this past weekend, I saw someone out on the lake uh, where we're from fishing with a live scope. And I don't know, Ethan, what do you think? I don't own one. Do you think it's would still be effective in the lakes that we have around here? Or is there a certain limit where you'd be taking out the Vexlar versus the live scope? You know, there's certain times where like, like so I've been fishing for lake trout the past couple of times I've been out ice fishing. And where I think that where you can kind of get to these points where, you know, I would bring my Vexlar versus a live scope out there is when you're fishing those kind of waters, a lot of lake trout will hang on the bottom. Um, I believe that's what they usually do when they're in the water column. So you're never really going to be able to scan around and see a fish. You might be able to scan, scan around and see bait, which can be an effective way to target you know, lake trout or these other predatory fish. But there's nothing really more that you could gain than like looking on like a mobile app like Navionics and be like, okay, you know, here's a drop off. Here's a point. I think there's going to be lake trout at this spot. Let's just go there right. with my Vexlar and we'll see it. Now, the only thing is like, you know, you kind of maybe see something once you're fishing at that spot on the live scope kind of crawling on the bottom. But I don't think there's much to be gained versus the live scope versus the Vexlar and that kind of argument. I would right. say that like once you're using a live scope, 
and you're targeting like basin fish. So like fish like crappies, right? That kind of suspend and that they move around a lot or school up. So like these heavily schooling fish, so like panfish, be a very, very good tool. But like if you're targeting like walleyes, lake trout, it can kind of help to keep engaged. But like I would say, like, you know, if you're fishing, you know, where you think a good lake trout versus walleye spot is, I don't really know if there's that big of a difference to be said between a live scope versus a vaxlar. But the point I will bring out is if you don't know a lake very well, I feel like the live scope has an upper advantage because you're able to scout out a lake very effectively, I guess. Being like, okay, you know, here's a rock over here. Here's some structure. And that's something you really can't gain with your Vexlar. Do you think your prior experience fishing without a live scope made you a better angler today? Yeah, I think so. I think one thing that's funny to me, and I hear it a lot in the live scope community of people talking about them is like, you can't make, just because you can see the fish doesn't mean it's going to eat. I mean, same goes true with the Vexlar, right? But I think, you know, being able to know kind of what baits to use, how to move baits, where fish are, you can't gain that by just using a live scope or a Vexlar. So I think, you know, being able to know like how to break down a lake in a common sense way definitely help, you know, knowing like doing my research on like what kind of lures to use, where to jig in the water column, that kind of stuff. I feel like, you know, that can't be taught by a sonar sonar and only like years of fishing. And, but at the same point, like you can really learn a lot about fish's behavior I would say that this is probably one thing we've learned the most with the live scope is when we were chasing crappies in a basin, me and you, and just seeing how much those fish would move around that basin. Because I feel like there's a there's an old uh, age tale where you like you go ask somebody like how their ice fishing day was, and a lot of people will say, "Oh, it was great," but then we caught them like for an hour or two, and then they moved. Well, really, like fish move all day. And really what people are saying is like, we didn't keep up with the fish because like we had our Vexlar and we didn't know where they moved, right? Because if I have, if I'm standing in the middle of a circle and I don't know where those fish ever went, because those fish could go any which direction. And I'm just taking a guess being like, okay, let's go, you know, 30 steps to the right and 10 steps back and see if they're there. I mean, you're really just guessing, but with that live scope, you're really able to tell okay, those fish moved over there, go fish there now. And I think you can really see like, even in like, you know, talking with the crappy Chronicles guy before, you know, he kind of talked a lot about, you know, stealth and just cause like a fish is under the water, you know, 30 foot deep or 10 foot or whatever, like, or like a clear day can really affect like the fish's behavior and their spookiness or like their pressure and stuff. So I think being able to learn about fish behavior has been a really big thing. I guess I would say I've learned with a live scope. I also feel I, I definitely want a live scope. Don't have one, but hopefully by next year I'll have one. I'm not sure. Like I said, I'm not sure how well it does like lakes around me where, you know, certain Certain lakes are pretty shallow. They're pretty weedy. So I'm not sure how that would really work. Here's a question for you, though. Like, would you be more apt to maybe go fish lakes you don't know, though, because of having that live scope? Like, it'd be like kind of like another cop. It'd be like almost like a confidence booster, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I think it would. It is a confidence booster going to different lakes. Certainly, because you're more open minded and you're more aware of. And I guess, you know, it's one of those things, right? Where like price is a big thing. It's a big thing for everybody. Everybody has their own opinion on it. But like if these two units were the same and they're sitting on a shelf, 
like same price. I mean, which, which one are you buying? Right. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I can understand why live scope is priced as they are. Mm-hmm. It's a super crazy, awesome, good unit. I have nothing but good things to say about it. That's for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's the, that's a thing, right? And I get why people, uh, you really talk to some people about it, especially some of these older guys who have been fishing for a long time and they've kind of seen, you know, the different stages or different generations of ice fishing, I guess you could say, or technology evolutions where you go from nothing and then you go from having like, like the very first Vexlar, which like very was, you know, wasn't very good detail. And then you go to these newer Vexlars with like these LED screens and LED lights and and then you go to like something like, you know, the digital screen that like Garmin came out with. And then you go to like these live scopes. And I think there's a big worry about like, are these fish finders getting too effective? Because I see w- what people are saying is like, you know, the number of people who fish is going down. And I think, you know, that's pretty much true. And in some cases, I mean, heck, you go to somebody's Minnesota lake. So like, I mean, you still see a lot of people out. I mean, it's not like nobody's fishing, right? I mean, even these Iowa lakes as of lately. Yeah, exactly. But what you're seeing is like, I think you're seeing the more effective angler having some, putting a herd on some of these populations. And it can be like, you know, like, right. Like it could be like, oh, well, I practice catch and release. Okay, cool. But like, you know, maybe you have improper fish handling, you know, maybe, maybe you're fishing, you know, maybe you are like, you caught a hundred and, you know, maybe 10 of those fish died or whatever. Let's say, I mean, just throwing some examples out there, like, you know, are you doing worse? Are you doing better? Are you better for the sport versus the guy who's using nothing, catching 10 fish and keeping all those 10 fish? Right. So I guess, you know, there's different ways to look at it from that lens. But it does, I mean, like once you get it dialed in, you can be a very effective angler and you can like, I mean, I took out to this lake in uh, Montana and I've fished for kokanee salmon and I got to admit, like I probably would not have had a chance if I didn't, if I've been using my Vexlar. Just being able to scan around the lake because it's a 200 foot deep lake and we are fishing like a hundred foot of water to be able to scan around the lake, be like, okay, there's fish here. Or like, hey, we were fishing at 30 foot. Now the fish are coming in at 40. I know that's a fish for sure. And I'm going to jig at 40 foot now. So being able to break that down there, like, you know, increases my chances tenfold at least. And I talked to a lot of people in that lake and it's kind of all up to interpretation. But some of these people like are like, oh, I didn't catch anything. And they're like, you know, probably fish that lake all the time. And then I come out here with my live scope and I'm able to, you know, catch salmon that they're not able to. So I guess, you know, there's kind of that argument to it. Definitely. I believe live scope will catch you more fish in the sense of if you can find them. But like you said, either the fish are going to bite or they're not. But I will also say I've came off lakes and, you know, been in the parking lot and got my ass whooped by some guy who has the oldest fishing rod I have seen it ever seen in my whole life. And he's just sitting there with a bucket full of fish. Yeah. And I think that's like, that's the biggest thing. I don't think like that should be like banned by any means. I think, you know, like that's just a kind of a dumb argument to be had because like, obviously like the DNR or like these fish and wildlife people are never going to ban a tool like this. I think you might see it like in the competitive scene, which I guess like, yeah, if you're fishing for these big purses, yeah, maybe it's unfair to have like a live scope because that does take a lot of like the competitive advantage out of it, but that's kind of a discussion for another time. But I think like what, what you can really talk about is like, 
you know, proper fish handling. Hey, should I be fishing for crappies in these 30 foot of water? If I am, I should just keep them all and be done with it. Cause like once I release them, you know, with the, with the different amount of pressure, they probably won't survive. Right. You know, just, just some different things like that. I think that's something all of us could be aware of. And, you know, it's like what we talked about before with like these fish limits where it's like, you know, a lot of these new lakes in like Minnesota, you see are adapting these lower or like slots or these lower fish limits, which I think is good. And that's going to overall help because like, I mean, we talked about it before, like, you know, nobody really needs 25 fish. I mean, that's a lot of fish. That is, that is a lot of fish. I don't get me wrong. I'd love keeping 25 fish because I mean, more meat in the freezer, more opportunities to eat fish but at the same time you know it should all be fair play catch catch uh i don't know 10 or 15 you know eat that up and go back out again if the fish are biting you're gonna catch 15 more tomorrow you know maybe yep it's not for certain in every case yeah i think you know that kind of like you said it kind of comes back to the skill of the angler and i think you know as time goes on, you're going to see the live scope kind of come down in price, probably get lighter weight. And I think that's what's going to kind of, you know, it probably will make a lot more anglers a lot more effective. And I just think, you know, with that, it's more so how do we make these anglers, you know, also conservationists or have a conservative or a conservation focused, you know, attitude towards fishing. And I think, you know, that's more of an argument to be had at a different time. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely arguments to be had about why and such an effective tool out there fishing because i mean you are able to like like what we talked about before you're able to look 100 foot this way 100 foot in a full circle and be like okay there's no fish where a guy with a vexlar even who if you look back at that time was probably like man those guys with vexlars are cheating but now you know if you think about yeah exactly and now you're like, okay, crap, like I'm only looking at this small of an area where that guy the last couple is looking a hundred foot each way. So there's definitely uh there's definitely be arguments we made, but I think at the end of the day, I think there's a place for both of these tools. And I think you're gonna see both of I think you're gonna see the live scope technology get better and cheaper over time as well. I hope so for my own sake, but I mean at the same time I'll bounce off of something you Especially imagine how many holes or remember how many holes we drilled where it probably is in a hundred foot radius, right? Probably drilled 20 holes and we're like, all right, we're going to try to find them where live scope drill one hole, put it down there. Granted, you can see a hundred feet each way, you know, no weeds or anything blocking the vision of it. All right, pick up, drill a hole 200 feet somewhere else and whatever direction and start over cover a hell of a lot more area than you can in a live scope or vexlar yeah and i think uh you know yeah like the biggest things in my mind that you know differ these two is like weight price um we want to say like maneuverability or like ability to be mobile with it are definitely some big things uh that i would say that Kind of differentiate these two, but you know, to the point when you can be very effective, these that I just want to reiterate on it's like I drill a hole, put the live scope down in an area where we think there are fish, and then I'm able to point it and say, Okay, there's fish. Um, Tyler, walk in line where my live scope's pointed because there's a pole sticking out of the ground where he can see right where the pole is pointed, 
you walk and I say, Hey, there's 60 foot that way. You take 60 feet, count your steps, drill a hole right on top of them, put your Vexlar down because where that Vexlar is really effective is like, I'd be like, Hey Ty, we're fishing in 20 foot of water, but they're hanging about 15. You have no idea where 15 is. I mean, it's one of those things. It's like, and it doesn't seem obvious, but it's like, you think you could kind of tell when it comes off your line. But in a lot of cases, you can't tell if you're right below the hole or 20 foot at the bottom um, without something like a Vexlar. So being able to tell where that Vexlar is at and then where those fish are is just, it's a, it's a deadly tool. There's one thing I'll say that's been a, a little challenging, I would say, with the live scope versus the Vexlar is the separation you can see between where your mark is at and where your lure's at, or like so where the fish mark is at versus where your lure mark is at. And if you know, like if those two marks come together on that Vexar screen, you pretty much know you're gonna get eight. There's very little chance right. where like you're not gonna get eight because that fish is very, very close to that lure. Yeah. But with the live scope, when you're looking at such a far distance. And I only have a nine inch screen, but I think they go up to like 12, 14, these crazy ones where you get a better image. But on that nine inch screen, it's very hard to tell if that fish is right on top of my bait or, you know, a foot underneath it or four feet underneath it when you're talking, like you're going that far. So I would say that's a big difference between these two. And like, granted, like, yeah, you can kind of zoom in, but then the image gets pretty pixelated on the live scope. And, you know, it's one of those things when you're chasing those very finicky fish, being able to have something like a spring bobber rod is a game changer. And also being able to like have that Vexlar separation to be able to be like, okay, that fish is on top of me. I'm, you know, basically super ready. And I'm going to watch that rod, that spring bobber, that rod, really sensitive rod tip to see, okay, I'm going to get smashed. And granted, like this is, more panfish side of it because yeah if you're fishing for lake trout i mean you know when you can get smashed but i would say that's a been a big difference another difference i would say about the live scope as i think more about it is and i know you're not doing this too often but like when we were fishing in that 100 over like 100 foot of water the one issue i found is that even at the depths that we were fishing so we would zoom in and I know you could, you could kind of change this, but at 40 foot, it gets harder to see your lure and you kind of have to jig it pretty hard. And sometimes you even lose it when it gets that deep. And even like lake trout fishing with like, you know, three inch tubes in like 80 foot of water, it can be kind of hard for you to get that picture just because that sonar is shooting so far. So, you know, I never really tested it with like, you know, what size, like, you know, you'd be using a tungsten jig in like 30 foot of water, I think you'd have a very tough time picking that up where a Vexlar, I've never had trouble finding my lure. No, you just turn the gain up a little bit and boom, there it is. Yeah. So I would say that's like one thing that could be definitely a little frustrating is like, you know, being able to exactly tell where your lure is at in the water column. I will say it was pretty fun. I think there was four. Yeah. There's four of us all fishing off of your one live scope given we had a lot of line tangles but it was pretty fun that we were all just standing there shoulder to shoulder fishing the same school of fish that kept passing by 
Yeah. And I could be like, and then it was like funny, right? Because I'd be like, oh, Ty, you know, one's on top of you. And then like, it'd be funny because like, like you said, we were all four in a line. It'd be like, Ty was on the end and then Trevor is right by him. And like, for whatever reason, like that fish would swim right by Ty's lure and go right to Trevor's. Yeah. Or, or Trevor would miss it. Yeah, exactly. Trevor would of course miss the fish. Or, or yeah, he what fish does doesn't he miss? I mean, he missed the fish, and then it went up sniff my bait, and then it's like, oh, you know, I got a chance, and then it went and sniffed Ethan's bait, and all of a sudden, bite. You know, someone was always on cleanup duty. So it was pretty fun. It was pretty fun. It was like, you know, sitting around bullshitting. I mean, you can kind of give each other hell about missing a fish or. Oh, you know, I wonder what's wrong with your bait. Something like that. It was pretty fun. Yeah. So that kind of experience I think was definitely, definitely super fun. And just like, and that's what you kind of get, right? Like you can't really do that with the Vexlar. Another benefit added point to live scope. So, you know, with the versus a Vexlar versus like that, that kind of style of fishing graph, there is a lot of great like graphs on the market that you can get to get entry level into fishing. Cause I think like to be engaged fishing, you need some kind of sonar, whether that be a live scope, the entry level Garmin thing, Vexlar, something to keep yourself engaged. I think, and there's different tiers of all this stuff. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know much about anything else. And what I was going to say is like, I mean, I don't golf. I don't really do a, a lot of other things. Like ice fishing is a pretty big thing in my point, like in my perspective. So, uh, you know, maybe because I jumped to live scope, which is, it's been a lot of fun and definitely a great tool. And I know like Ty, you've said it before. It's like, once you kind of see somebody and once you fish with somebody with it, it's like, dang, I I really want one of those. So. Right. You just don't ever want to go back. Yeah. And like you said, like there's, there's just certain points where you're like, you know, being able to use that Vexlar, like, and then kind of go back to that Garmin. I don't know if I touched on this with the live scope. The battery is definitely a huge issue with it. I, we don't have enough, we, you know, a lot of what we do is we go out and fish for the day and we come home. But if I didn't come home, let's say we were on a trip somewhere and I wasn't able to charge my live scope, I would totally, the live scope would, I think it would run for like eight to 12 hours on one charge. And then it might take like a whole day to charge just because the battery's so big. So large charge time doesn't last like that long in the grand scheme of things. I mean, eight hours is still a pretty long time. Yeah. Like you said, if you're on a trip, you know, you'd get flown out, did some late camping or something. Yeah, that would be become an issue. And there are bigger, better batteries to have. But then, you know, you're even talking about putting more and more money. And then, you know, with that, too, you're putting more and more weight. I think some of those batteries get like four pounds or something crazy. Those lithium batteries are not cheap either. Yeah. Pros and cons of both of them. Both great, in my opinion. I mean, can't forget where you came from, that's for sure. And like I said, I don't really know much about any of the other sonar devices, so I can't really speak on them. I think Markham's pretty good from what I hear. Hummingbird, they have some... What's Hummingbird's device that they have? Oh, you mean the Mega Live? Mega Live. Yeah. yeah, I heard pretty good things about that as well. And I think, you know, it kind of goes down to like a lot of people like, you know, they're kind of Garmin guys or Hummingbird guys. I guess if my experience was like, I just saw a lot of people use a live scope 
they've been kind of in the game the longest. They kind of know what they're doing. And then a lot of these other guys followed suit. But like, yeah, like you said, you know, if you're running Hummingbird, everything uh, makes sense to go with that Mega Live. I don't know. It's a, a hard, I guess, Ice Fishing season has been pretty fun. Uh, it's coming to an end. Like Ty mentioned, I did, I did move to Montana. So been figuring out some new lakes around here. Definitely some different species to target, different lakes to kind of figure out. So that's been kind of always a new adventure. Yeah, it's kind of kind of been different fishing without you but still trying to catch fish not always catching fish yeah i mean i don't always catch fish either i mean my big goal this year is to to throw a laker topside but still working on that so that's why i'm going this weekend is chase lakers again so well that'll be fun it's one of those things getting the getting the getting the fiance to go out there after like you can go catch like salmon and trout and like catch a bunch of them versus like, Hey, we're going to sit out here for like six hours and we might not move a single fish or mark a single fish. But I will say that like we have marked fish every time we've been out. Like I've seen them come up, they just like zoom up to our bay and then they're gone. So I don't know what's wrong. I don't know if, I don't know if I got to figure out if it's something with my, uh, some kind of lure, I'm, if it's a lure I'm using or if it's like the cut bait, my not smelly enough or gross enough, but yeah, you got to let that thing bake out in the sun for a little bit or I don't know, just stick it in the house. Let it get gross for a while. Yeah. Those greasy lake trout, like some gross lures, but hopefully, hopefully get a picture posted soon of with some lake trout. So yeah, I hope to see you catch a lake trout. I keep hoping I'm going to pull in through the ice here in Iowa too, but I just don't know if that's going to happen. Maybe a maybe a big pike soon. I got this new pickled pike recipe I want to try out, but I can't catch one. So, well, not if you come really out great. Here, What's that? I said if you come out here, I'm pretty sure the limit's either like 15 or it might even be on limited pike. For pike? Yeah. Really? I think we can keep like five here. I just don't think they they don't want them here any more. Oh, really? Why is that? Just because it's not a as desired fish, it's kind of like I don't know the the scum of the pond. Yeah, and you know it's like uh, it kind of competes with like some of their more native fish. I mean, yeah, I remember seeing like when I was in Alaska, it's just a weird thing. Like you see pike, and like how renowned they are in like Minnesota and like throughout the Midwest. I mean, they're super. I mean, I I love catching pike. I love eating them. But in Alaska, like. I remember going to a couple of lakes and just seeing like signs where they're like, if you catch a pike, you need to kill it right away. And just seeing that kind of stuff is just like, it's different. I guess, you know, like culture wise, like when people have the other fish that they prioritize, I guess you could say. Yeah. You know, something like a pike. It's like, like, I mean, like I love catching pike and like, yeah, yeah they're pretty protected in Minnesota with like certain slot limits on them and stuff. And tight uh regulations on them so to see them like be like montana be like yeah just catch everything you want it's a little different so it is a little different to see i've seen definitely seen videos of people there catch a small one and they're like oh well gotta keep it you know those ones i had an old guy sit, tell me that those ones make the perfect pickle pike the small ones do so keep the small ones i guess no, that's really all I have to say about Vexlar and LiveScope. I don't really have much to say about LiveScope other than I've used yours a little bit. So 
Vexlar, it's pretty standard, pretty self-explanatory. Um, if I was going to rec- recommend one or the other to somebody, I'd just say, well, whatever you can afford, because I think they're both great. Yeah, I don't think like you should be discouraged if you can't afford a live scope and like don't want to ice fish. I think, you know, like having like a nice auger, one that's like reliable and like a drill setup. Yeah, make sure or whatever. you can get through the ice. Yeah, before you before think about you... buying a live scope. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> there are some people like that who, I don't know, it just doesn't make sense in my mind. Maybe there aren't people out here like this, but let's say you have a hand auger and you go out and buy a live scope. You know, that just doesn't make much sense in my mind. Yeah, I think there's definitely definitely some to be had for both. Um, we fished with a, I fished with a Vexlar for many years, um, and I caught a lot of fish doing it. I had a lot of fun doing it, I guess. So like I, like right. you said, there's nothing nothing wrong with it. So definitely. You got anything else to say about this, Ty? Nope, that's it. Awesome. Well, I think we had a great conversation about, you know, Vexlars and live scopes and some of the some of the great, you know, advantages of both and disadvantages of the other. Just kind of hit home on some of these high points. You know, live scope, it's an expensive unit, it's heavy. But at the same time, you get a lot more detail. You can see farther. You can fish a lot, multiple people. Um, Vexlar is definitely way more mobile of a unit, uh, cheaper entry, easier to use, and less daunting. I think those are all good takeaways. Really, at the end of the day, like Tyler mentioned, just buy what you can afford. And either way, like spend a lot of time, you know, being a good conservationist as well as also being learning as much about fish behavior and like structure as you can because i think at the end of the day that's what's going to make you catch the most fish and just because you can locate a fish as we mentioned doesn't mean you can make it bite or get a top side so at that point uh that's kind of all i have on the podcast thanks everybody for listening i appreciate it uh we're hoping to get more back on these podcasts on Every two weeks, going to be running these with new guests and new topics as we kind of go out throughout the season. Got some new fly time videos coming up. Hopefully, get some more into the video scene. Been acquiring some gear there. Thanks everybody for listening. Yeah, thanks guys. 